1: Hello, I'm not Joe Devine. Joe Devine made a joke on stage about another man's wife and he is out for the foreseeable future. I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. On the show today, most of the international football, the bits that we might know about, plus some other stuff. And with me in the studio to discuss it all, it's the nicest man in pop. It's JJ Bull.
0: Hi, JJ. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Good weekend? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch much of the football, but enough to do this podcast. That's all we need. Also with me
1: in the studio is no one. Seb's in Germany. Alex is an owl Sanctuary. There's no one else here, but that's okay. It means that we can play fast and loose with the rules. We can do whatever we want. And with that power, we all discuss Italy out of the World Cup, Gareth Bale. People really don't like him. Do they really not like it? People in
0: Wales love them. People in
1: yeah, love them. In Spain, they don't. On a a population comparison, I would say more people in Spain than... Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get there. We'll also talk about England because we kind of of got to. But stick around because we're going to discuss how to run a football club and, more pertinently, how not to run a football club and also how we would run a football club. We'd run it like a business, a well-run business, a business like The Athletic. And The Athletic is in the cool hands and the warm embrace of The New York Times. Do you subscribe to The Athletic? You really, really should. you know why you should subscribe to The Athletic? Because somebody's got to pay for word of because best sports journalism by the best sports journalists. You need it in your life. And you know what? It's not even that much money. I don't know how much because I'm new here. I usually do a different podcast, but it's not much money if you're a new subscriber and you go to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO theathletic.com forward slash TIFO do it right now don't do it right now because like this this will be worth hanging around for but but maybe do it afterwards it, it will definitely be worth it but until then we'll leave you in the clammy hands and the trembling embrace of the TIFO Football Podcast loads of football around the world and we're a football podcast I think if you put those two things together it spells content yes it really does many content audio and visual Um, let's start with the biggest story of the week the last time I watched Italy they were beating England at Wembley uh, on on a penalty shootout that let's be honest kind of flattered England a bit they should have done it in 90 minutes next thing we know they're not going to the World Cup again what happened
0: well, they lost to North Macedonia, which is obviously not ideal. I've only seen the goal. I've not seen <laughs> the entire up. game. But I know there's a, a couple of WhatsApp groups I'm in with some Italians in them, and they were very upset about it. They have had they had many, many, many shots and goal. I think the best analysis of the Italian team can be done by the guy who cuts my hair. <laughs> <laughs> <We> <laughs> who should have booked him. Love the guy called Giovanni. He's a, he's a great guy. Really funny. But he says, the problem with Italy now is they don't really have a goal scorer. They don't have strikers. He always says they don't have players like Baggio anymore or those sorts of quality forwards. They've got Ciro mobile up front. And then I think there's some sort of noise now. about Lorenzo Insigne and Jorginho and someone else might possibly have retired after this game. Uh, But this is not ideal for... I mean, obviously... well, that's a stupid thing to say. Obviously, it's not ideal about the World Cup.
1: <laughs> it was their only task to qualify for the World <laughs> Cup and they failed in that task. Yeah. In 2010, they crashed out of the World Cup in the group stages and I wish I could remember which player it was, but he said, if it looked like we were slow out there, it was because the weight of the star on our shirt dragged us down, um, which was a really lovely, beautiful, poetic way of talking about pressure and on a team and the expectation of repeating that triumph. I can't imagine an English player managing to, to be so eloquent in such a moment of pain. Well, All no. of which is a very long way of long way around the houses of saying, was it pressure and expectation? Did they set a bar so high that they couldn't meet it?
0: Maybe it's that thing where when teams win, then they suddenly think it should be easy because it's only North Macedonia. But again, it's very hard to say. So we can't do a lot of analysis of the game because we haven't watched it. So this is the important bit to remember. We haven't seen this game, but... What you can look at, is this is the little trick of uh, some football journalism, is that you can often just look at the stats and work out what probably happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is how we survive. Yeah,
0: so for example, in this game, Italy had 32 shots on goal. That's a lot of shots. That's only had four. Now, there is a game that you know well, football manager. This seems very much like one of those things where you go, well, that is absolutely stupid. Are you saying Italy got FM'd? 100%. They definitely did. Well, they had, yeah, 65% possession, 32 shots. And the goal they scored like long goal kick punt upfield Italy don't win the first header Yeah and then so the first ball's gone and and then North Macedonia managed to get in behind and finish it and the, the finish have you seen it in the bottom corner of the net like it's just outside the reach of Donnarumma like it's just outside it it's absolutely perfect. And, and that
1: boy's got some not inconsiderable reach as he well. He is massive. Yeah. Do you think, like, when you're playing FM, you justify a lot of stuff to yourself, don't you? you? You kind of, when you get FM'd, I mean, yes, you can have a tantrum about it, but you go, you know what? That's going to happen three or four times a season. It's happened I now. think the
0: computer's out to get me. I think the AI <laughs> is doing oh, I remember it to this. form a
1: narrative. That's what I think it's doing. But it's not. You, it just happens sometimes. It just happens sometimes. If a manager in that situation came out and said, you know what? Every now and then, the game bites you on the bum, and this was one of those now
0: and again. Well, Mancini came out and said, I think the AI was against me. No, no,
1: just, (laughs) I got FM'd, it happens. It happens every now and then, you know, we trust in the pro. Would that be an acceptable excuse to blame the vagaries of fate?
0: I mean, I think when you have, uh, probably not for the Italians, because they'd be very, very annoyed. I'm trying to think what would happen if it was England. When did, when did he not qualify for the World Cup? What happened to that? Uh, the last, the t- McClaren, well, the last tournament
1: it? we didn't qualify for was 2008 when um, everyone blamed Steve McLaren for putting an umbrella up, which seemed entirely sensible. Oh, and they'll talk about well, that all the time still yeah. with Steve McLaren. But
0: yeah, so there's no way Mancini is getting away with that. No. I mean, do you think he will get away with it? Or, or do you think, I mean... This is one of the problems with not having prep properly for the podcast, I don't know. <laughs> is it time for Claudio
1: Ranieri to take over Italy? <sighs> Which is, I think, the only job in Italian football he hasn't already had. <laughs>
0: Surely there'll be a time. There'll be a lot of lads who can take on that job. But Mancini just won the Euros, so you think, you can't really just... It's got to be a little bit of credit in the bank, hasn't it? I think so. And yeah. I think there might be that the chain, they would blame the players, the lack of the striker, maybe the changing of the guard. Like If you look at the centre-backs they had in this game... Kind of changing now, so they had uh, what is it, Bastoni, Chilini came on as a sub. Uh, there's a few changes from what we saw in the in the, the Euros. Like Emerson's playing at left back, obviously, you missed the um,
1: who was the lad? forgot
0: his name at left back. Oh, I've totally forgotten who got injured. least for Roma, yeah,
1: the one who was really, really good. I've completely forgotten his name, dropped out. I'm sure you all know him. Yeah, in. he was brilliant.
0: Um, so the, obviously, the way Mancini's team works is that one fullback is very high to form the front five with one of the wingers, which is Berardi, and this one to come wide. But this is a problem when you... So this this happens in, when you get FM'd, it tends to be against a smaller team who aren't as good who can sit in a block and hit you on the counter. And again, don't know that for sure because I haven't watched the game. But <laughs> I think very much that's likely what they did. And it would have shown Italy wide into areas knowing that the ball has to go into the middle and there's only one striker you can possibly get in the end of it. So if you're putting, uh, not floated, but like whip balls in the box, you've only got a Mobile there who can try and get a header on. Then you get got Berardi who is left-footed, it's not really a winger. And you've got Insigne who's right-footed coming off the left, who's also not a winger. That changes the angle of your cross. Then you've got midfield runners. I don't know. I worked for them in Euros, obviously. They're really exciting. Not the full team there. I don't know. Funny, though. Well, Italy. It's quite funny.
1: Italy not going to the World Cup. Canada. Canada. Oh, are we, we had a spot on the Football Manager Show uh, talking about the new Canadian top flight division and touched upon this, this uh, renaissance in, in Canadian football. They've been incredible, haven't they?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find their World Cup qualifying group. I want to see it.
1: See, I remember Canada qualifying for the 1982 World Cup when they had Valentine, uh, who played for West Brom, whose shirt the the sponsor was the no smoking sign, which was incredible. Very different now. They've got Alfonso Davis, who's who's brilliant.
0: Yeah, they also ne- have Jonathan David, that guy. Um, is it Leal? I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, neither you or I would ever pretend to be experts in the Canadian football team, but are they one of those magical teams that is sort of dragged along by a, a one or, or two really brilliant players? Well... Who knows?
0: What I would we say haven't it, seen it, that. It, again, and the problem with not having prepared properly for the podcast is that I don't really know. We're not going to pretend we know, though. But what I thought we could mention on this bit is that if you've got players like... Sometimes all you need is one really good player to get an international team. It's not like in a... In the Premier League or something, you can't really have one player that carries you. But I think in international football, you often can. So you maybe say I don't think Davies or David carry them, but they're two very good teams in that in that mm. one team. Have some examples of other players who did right. Of course, down? the one
1: you immediately go for is Argentina in 1986, which is a bit harsh on the rest of the the team. But in in terms of the grade between the caliber of players, Diego Maradona was so far ahead of everybody else in '86. I always feel like that's the classic example.
0: Well, it reminds me of when I used to play Pro <laughs> Evo three and four <laughs> with my friends uh, Jack and. Uh, like Fraser and all those all the lads at home you don't know who they are but what they would do is uh, like Jack especially my friend would build a player which is his own name so he'd have uh, Jack Waterston's His name so he'd have Watson would be the player and he'd have all 99 attributes and he'd put him into his team and that one player would be enough to beat me every time that I played against him because I would just have to go for the normal are you suggesting
1: you, that at some point in the nineteen seventies the uh, Argentine regime created Diego Maradona using yeah. a form of gene splicing editing tool?
0: I'm not saying that for certain, but that's yeah. I think that's where I think that's where I, I'm I think, going with it. Yeah. I think
1: it's I think it's a theory that we should pursue. Well, and Liberia had a,
0: George Weah. Yes,
1: absolutely. George Weah, scorer of one of the greatest goals of all time,
0: that Eusey angle? Yeah, no, nah, because he stumbles a lot. I see. What? Yeah, that makes it better
1: nah I don't know fairly sure th- Daly and Atkinson scored one for Aston Villa that was um, that, with the chip was, at the end of it though wasn't yeah, it yeah yeah better finish
0: you told me that George Weah didn't get Liberia qualified for the World Cup but I didn't know that yeah no Liberia never qualified for the World Cup I remember them being in again we I mean, need stay away from video games as much as we can <laughs> but I remember them being in ISS I thought that would be my thing Liberia was in it yeah, or maybe sixty four. I said sixty four.
1: I honestly thought if there's going to be one complaint about this podcast, then we'd be very lucky. But if there was one complaint, it would be me constantly referencing a certain video game. But so far, you're you're two one up on me. Did do, do that? Does Gareth Bale constitute one of that? Again, it seems very very harsh on people like Aaron Ramsey. Um, but is he so
0: far above the rest of the Welsh squad that? And Ramsey with two appearances for Rangers this season. I think Bale's carrying that team a bit more than he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: that That's fair. Uh, what a strange week he's had. Um, brilliant for Wales, again, uh, on account of the fact that they, they seem to like him. Yeah, But in Spain, there, there are suggestions he should be fired for the disparity between performances for club and country.
0: Yes, yeah, so there was a TV show that was shown in... Spain, I think I'm just going to generalise all of Spain, where the Real Madrid supporting sort of press. Because there's a thing about Real Madrid where, and I think if you've seen Seb tweeting this week, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's how Real Madrid is meant to be this thing that's bigger than all of us. Mm. You know, it's it's more than, I mean, Barcelona's meant to be more in the club, but this is a way of life. So if you play for Real Madrid, wow, it's something, something magical in the air. I've
1: never really got my head around that because they such a mad football club. Uh, everything seems to be very, very short term and chaotic and they do mad things and nothing ever seems to be kind of...
0: Has it always been like that? It must have been not like always, was it?
1: I mean, I, it was weird because in the 80s and the early 90s, you didn't get very much European football coverage in, in the UK. But certainly, you know, from around the 90s, where Del Bosque was doing really well and then got sacked, and then they had the Galactico policy, which turned out not to be a very sustainable way of running a football club. There always seems to be something, and yet... All footballers revere them in a way that, I don't know, it always seems kind of incongruous with the idea of this sort of stable, sort of sustainable behemoth of a football club. They always seem to be completely insane. What What did Bale do that has blown it? Was it the ranking golf above Real Madrid? No, it's because
0: he doesn't buy into that whole the th- the thing of Real Madrid. So because he just treats it like... A business where he gets paid very, very well to not do an awful lot. I mean, he hardly ever plays. You know, he was on the bench all the time. It's reported to be six hundred thousand pound a week, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, something like that. That's all right. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't move. He gets so much money. <laughs> and also, it's not like he hasn't done anything. So, like Bale has won more trophies than Zidane. He scored more goals than Figo. He scored. I mean, he scored a bicycle kick sort of winner in the Champions League final. He's done everything at Real Madrid. He's won every single thing he could have done. Was it three Champions Leagues he's won? With four, four, Champions League. won four Champions Leagues. Four um, Champions Leagues. He's now been at Real Madrid for longer than he was at Tottenham, which seems baffling. So he is one of their all-time best players. Like He, he actually must be. He's not going to get invited back for any reunions. No, obviously. and this is the weird thing. It's because he doesn't buy into that. So even though he technically is one of the best players, he doesn't care about Real Madrid. He's just there because it's the most famous club in the world and he can play for them. And uh, you know it's it's the biggest job I guess you can get as a player right playing for Real or I guess maybe Real Manu Barça probably the biggest ones in the world I would have also yeah seems fair that's it so they don't like him there I think because what what can he's he never do? fit to play either or is he not fit to play what, well what he, he looked
1: pretty fit for Wales what what can he do next when this contract expires because I remember him after. a one of his many Champions League victories, he was complaining about Real Madrid and how the, the subtext seemed to be that he didn't like the role he was supposed to play where he had to track back a lot. And he thought, well, God, if, if you go to England, like how many clubs are there going to be that will give you an absolute free role? Ronaldo's already got it at Manchester United. There's surely not going to be that many major clubs in for Bale, especially not at that price. Well, I think it would be Spurs, wouldn't it? Would, would it? Because Spurs' finances aren't, in a position where they can take on that sort of wage.
0: I don't think he'd be getting 600 grand. No. At Spurs. <laughs> but then, well, he went there on loan before. Yeah. And he was okay. In fact, what was his numbers like when he was there? I want to find that out because that's interesting to me. What was he like? It, it would... Um, Did you watch him when he was at Spurs last? Yeah, here and there. I think the
1: the problem was when he was there first time around, I I've covered Tottenham a lot and he was there from that weird stage where he was a left-back that no one really fancied and Harry Redknapp wouldn't pick because he felt he was a, like a bad omen. Because I think he did 30 or 40 Tottenham games without ever being on the winning side. Um, it genuinely, in the camp, it was felt like, you know stay well clear of him. And then he just... Absolutely transformed. I remember the first game of the season, watching him come out of the tunnel, and he looked like a kind of muscle-packed action hero. And then he went into a half-crouch and leapt straight in the air. I swear to God, he was like five foot above the ground. His studs were five foot above the ground. That may not be literally true, but it looked like that. And
0: he was no longer this skinny, big-eared kid from Wales who didn't really fit in. He was an absolute machine. See, I remember the machine bail from when he went to Real... So I thought it was when he went to Real and then he oh, no, got the, involved with the fitness last, there.
1: Last season, definitely, and maybe last two seasons the at Tottenham, he was absolutely unplayable.
0: Redknapp played him as a left winger, uh, I think mostly. It was AVB, I think, that put him into that kind of middle role where he was playing as like a 10 and sometimes a 9. Yeah, AVB
1: basically just geared the entire team up to his strengths, which was, it, it kind of backfired on him a little bit because the perception at the time was Bale is dragging this Tottenham team. Yeah, we're talking about it with Nations Bale is a, a one-man team here mm. and no one really thought actually he's kind of that influential because AVB has set up the rest of the team to make sure that that can be the case you can do that it's, with you know. some
0: players that's like yeah, some players you can do that you can build everything around him it's like Bruno Fernandes at Man United a couple of seasons ago so that you can have you can get an amazing season out of one player as long as everyone else is built around yeah. that I think Cristiano Ronaldo probably at Real Madrid for a while always had, had that and then he maybe had Messi with that for Barcelona for a little while. Not not in the xavi Iniesta seasons, but in more recent times, you could build around him and you wonder wonder whether it's more of a hindrance. But like Bale, I don't remember being amazing when he went to Spurs on loan, but just look at his stats on who scored, 10 appearances, 10 sub-appearances, so a total of 20. 11 goals, it's really good. Yeah, as far as I
1: recall, it wasn't on the, the level it was before. But yeah, not too shabby anyway. So that's Gareth Bale. He is waiting now as we go through these, these European playoffs for who gets into the World Cup. Wales obviously beat Austria. They'll, they will now wait for three months for Scotland against Ukraine. Yes, that's a thankless task for Scotland, isn't it?
0: It's at Hampden as well. It's a one-off game. So, And then the winner of that will play Wales. But yeah, I just don't that's, know what's going to happen with that. It's yeah, so tricky. That's a
1: very difficult one. And then as an aside as well, the, the, the memories of Wales-Scotland for a World Cup playoff. It's where Jock Jockstein died after Scotland had secured a place in the 1986 World Cup. And um, he, he had a heart attack in the immediate aftermath. Uh, which is why Alex Ferguson was manager of Scotland at 1986. So, yes, loaded with emotion for, for lots of reasons.
0: Not for a while yet. So we can no, we've got Poland-Sweden as well. Um, two more teams you could say have individual stars in them? Would it be
1: harsh? Would it be, uh, the Poles had a, a great team sort of eight years ago, but Lewandowski is obviously the standout. and Szczesny um, is uh, a decent player. Yeah, well, actually, they've absolutely. got some decent players in
0: throughout the team. Oh, it's like Blazekowski. Yeah. But Sweden, yes, a certain... Forty something, still doing it. But he's just back from injury, so he's so Zlatan Ibrahimovic was their star player for ages when they taken taking the World Cups, and the, again, sort of a team built around him. Now he definitely isn't because they were doing well without him anyway. They came back. He missed the semi-final uh, they just played. Um, I've forgotten who they beat already. Actually, is it Czech Republic? I think they played. Or was it Poland? I can't remember. Uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. So there you go. See, I do know some stuff. <laughs> but he missed that game because he'd slapped Caesar ass piliqueta because presumably. As for said, something bad about his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of that going around there's at the a lot moment. Of that going around, Portugal are playing against North Macedonia. Yeah, because North so, Macedonia are the ones who beat Italy.
1: <laughs> now, if you're Portuguese, I mean, is there a danger of complacency? Even though you've literally just seen the European champions knocked out by North Macedonia, is it like the, the back of your mind, at the bottom of your heart? There's a kind of woohoo,
0: <laughs> we don't I'm, have to play Italy. I don't think so. I think Portugal would have seen that and be. Like they'll think they have a real chance now. So that's something to definitely consider. But also, I think the manager being Fernando Santos means that. So, like, when you play someone like North Macedonia or any team who sits and they're quite tight and want to hit you in the counter, you need mostly to create width and then speed up your passing so you can open up lanes so you get passes through. They've got players like Ronaldo in the middle who can like head a ball in. So that's really sort of have. But Santos is overly cautious, even with some of these amazing players. Tried to open them up a bit in the Euros, remember. But as much as we'll see them control the game and they'll have more possession, right? That's they're going to have. This is on Tuesday night, this this game. So by the time this podcast is out, it'll happen at night. So there's not much point previewing it. But I'd imagine what I'll do is not send too many players forward and just try and play them almost at their own game. Try and be really tight and then just hope that they can take advantage of set pieces or some loose bit of magic from Bernardo or Ronaldo or something like that. All right. Because then you don't leave the spaces open for the counter. Because that's how you lose teams like that is when you get too wide and get hit.
1: Yeah, caught with a big one over the top. Um, These are the qualified teams at the time of recording. Qatar, Germany, Denmark, Brazil, Belgium, France, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, Switzerland, Netherlands, Argentina, Iran, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Ecuador, Uruguay and Canada. That's a pretty good setup. Elsewhere, Senegal versus Egypt, or as the English press would describe it, Sadio Mane against Mo Salah. Um, How do we see that one going?
0: I can base this purely on the African nation's final. (laughs) I didn't watch the first leg of this. Not a classic, as I recall. Well, they missed a penalty early on in that for a recap, everyone. They missed a penalty early on in that. And then Senegal ended up winning it, I think, on penalties, as I recall, because it was a very, very cautious game. Egypt have a 1-0 lead on aggregate for this. It's the third qualifying round of the African section of the World Cup qualifiers. Um, So the next game is Senegal at home. So Salah versus Manny is all the... That's how it's framed, obviously, here. Some other games going on. I think Karl Anka of The Athletic. Yep. Great writer. Lovely guy. Fine,
1: fine human being.
0: He is currently in... He was in Ghana for Ghana versus Nigeria. They're not very good pals, Ghana and Nigeria. No, they do not get along. And so there's a return leg of that as well going on. So that'll be interesting to see what goes on there. So I I can... Again, I can't really tell you because there's too much (laughs) things have happened. I moved house this weekend, Ian, is what happened. So that's why... And then that's, Joe would said to watch the Oscars last night, so he's not here. And Seb's away, obviously. And then Alex is just not here. So.
1: No, no, no. And then this is what we are. We're, we're down, to, down to the bare bones. Yeah. But you know, we're plucky. I think that's what people will say. They'll say we're plucky. I'll look for that in the comments section. We are going to have to cover it at some point. I mean, the Thames is over there. And some days I would rather take off all of my clothes and walk into it and let the grey waters embrace me. But we are going to have to discuss England should we do that after the break?
0: I think we should, yes. Let's yeah. Do it.
1: Okay. We're, we're going to do it after the break. Here's our, here's our break.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7
1: US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: courtside seats to an nba game and more head over to com slash courtside to learn
1: more that was our break welcome back england then in a uh, relatively needless friendly against switzerland 2-1 uh should we talk about harry kane first harry kane now equal with sir bobby chelton for goals scored is that a fair reflection do you think
0: it's hard to know, isn't it? I just it? don't care. <laughs> um, and in context, this game is so unimportant that on who scores uh, page, they don't even have the match centre bit with the oh, teams wow. up on it. You know, we have the formation. Yeah, that's the ultimate
1: even, insult. Yeah, yeah. I watched um, some of
0: this game, so yeah. I did actually watch this one. It wasn't amazing. England really caught. It's, maybe it's the right way to do it in international football. I don't know if you agree. I think if you're overly cautious, you tend to do better than if you're attacking.
1: Yeah, I, I I can totally get that, I mean, it doesn't make it fun to watch, and nor does a raft of substitutions after sixty minutes. But um, but you know that's that's the hand that we've been dealt. There are interesting subplots coming off it. I think I've particularly taken by uh, Luke Shaw saying how very happy he is at England in a way that suggested that he is not very happy at Manchester United. And usually it's the other way round, isn't it?
0: Well, but he said, "Well, this is what he said." He went, it's always important to feel like you're wanted, and especially here, I always feel that here being England. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't at United. That's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. It's like that when, uh, when you say, oh, that, that wallpaper is horrible. I'd never get that. And then someone goes, oh, I have that. And, oh, no, oh, no, but um, I mean, obviously some people like that. Yeah. He's
1: there's, there's enough implication there, isn't
0: it? So he's not happy. But then I think Alex Teller is starting ahead of him just now at United, which is kind of interesting. But I don't know why he would come out and say like you just don't say that stuff. They're so highly drilled with media training that you wouldn't let that sort of thing out. But then maybe he but sometimes you habit. want to say stuff, don't you? You want to get it off your chest. Do you think that
1: he's either trying um, to send a message out to to the club in general, to whoever's going to be the next manager, or do you think it's just frustration?
0: I don't think he's trying to send a message out. I think maybe he's just comfortable with the press now because England are quite they're quite pally with the press, right? That's one of the things Southgate changed. Certainly better than it used to be. What was it, what it used to be like? Well, the
1: um Do you cover England quite a lot with games? Very, very rarely, to be honest. But the general feeling between the key players have been, you know, soured by the Rio Ferdinand thing, the, the portrayal of Gary Neville as Red Nev in certain aspects of the press, the coverage of the WAGs in 2006, it used to be pretty testy, and then you go back to the 80s, and the full-on media blackouts and protest at the way Bobby Robson was being treated and all sorts of stuff. It, it I suppose all the,
0: like, Beckham getting sent off and then getting hounded for it, that sort of yeah, thing as well. Yeah,
1: was, what's was the headline on the papers? Ten heroes and one stupid boy. Was that and right? That was the headline after. And then shortly Rooney afterwards, well, is yeah. effigies. Yeah, uh, the Rooney coverage. It hasn't always been particularly happy. The, I think the only competitive England game I ever covered was... By accident, because England screwed up their group in 2016 and ended up with Iceland in the second round. So I was supposed to be covering a completely different fixture and it turned out to be England. And what a night that was.
0: Was that where they lost to Iceland? That was where
1: they they didn't just lose, they just... And, and bear in mind, I'm a Southend United supporter, so I have seen a very, very low level of football, but I have never seen a collection of footballers as, as far underneath their level as England against Iceland. It was, by the end of it, people were just laughing. Do you know, I got of,
0: invited onto Ewan Holmes's Sky News show to to discuss that game the next morning? Because
1: that's what the people wanted a Scotsman to gleefully deconstruct an <laughs> England
0: football team's oh, lowest ebb. I don't know why I got, one of the producers asked me, and I went on, and, um, Eamon Holmes is there, and obviously as soon as I started talking to him, he goes, oh, we've got a Scotsman. (laughs) Because the presenters don't book the guests, it's the producers. Uh, That was funny, sitting next to Eamon Holmes while I did that. I described it as, um, I was very pleased with my joke at the time. I think I said, it was like watching someone very drunk trying to break into their own house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's very good. That's nice. Again, another example like North Macedonia, of a team very compact and hard to play against in a low block. Just being able to exploit space the, or a set piece. I can't remember how England lost uh, that. Long,
1: a long throw was, was one of them. Yeah, and then, north of Macedonia uh, was
0: a long goal kick up the pitch.
1: There you go. That's all it takes. It Do you know, my favourite thing, we've got time for my favourite thing about covering England-Iceland is the next day I was still in Nice. So I actually had a couple of days off in Nice is the greatest sentence I think I've, I've ever been ever been told. <laughs> and uh, I, I met some Icelandic football fans and they were saying, you know, like what an incredible night. They were all very, very hungover. Um, said, what an incredible night. But they said that the scariest moment was just towards the end when they realised they'd won. And the stadium there was, it, it was about three miles away from where the buses dropped you off. And then it was just one narrow walkway that took you back there. And the Icelandic fans were like, we are outnumbered by English supporters by about eight to one in this stadium. And now we've all got to walk back down the same pathway with them. And they were starting to get... Yeah, you know, I'm sure most of them could handle themselves and everything, but it's starting to get a little bit edgy. And uh, and this was a story I heard repeated. They left the stadium, some England fans spotted them, came marching over and just went, well played, completely deserved it,
0: go all the way. Yeah, I and bet they, even the bad England fans that do exist yeah, would be like that. With there nice there them. was not a
1: single, uh, I never heard anything about England fans mistreating Icelandic fans after that. They were just like, that's an incredible football achievement. It's kind of sad we have to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've even heard England Just fans g- do. They. grabbing for straws. May have been the worst night in English football, but the fans well, were fans were decent. The Euros final it. wasn't great. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, um, I was
0: going to ask you about. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you did. You watch the game, England Switzerland. I saw bit. What do you think of Conor Gallagher and is he of an international standard? Well, it's quite surprising. because I don't watch
1: anywhere near as much football as I used to. You know, it used to be sort of 10-15 games a week. And it's seeing these players that I've only sort of just seen once or twice coming through. I mean, basically my entire life is like leaving Football Manager on autopilot for four seasons and then checking back in. But it's it's I th- I think it's good. I think it's nice that we're we're getting players from different clubs because that's always been a a thing, hasn't it? You know, you play for Liverpool or Manchester United, and you're more likely to get in the England squad. But well, Southgate yeah, I mean, the
0: back the back three, Benjamin White is quite new to England, sort of. So Connor Cody and Mark Gay is a weird back three. It's good though, isn't it? And it's, it's uh, predicted in uh, any of the uh, like Daily Mail type. Uh, and Crystal Palace supplying
1: years. so many players is is fantastic and vindicates their excellent youth policy as well. So I think there's a there's a lot of positives there. But walker um,
0: Peters played at right wing back. Yep. That's good for him. He's a very good player. You know, Spurs have signed a heap of right-backs and they could have just not done that. Yeah, could have just kept him.
1: Kyle Walker-Peters, yeah. I interviewed Chris Ramsey once about Tottenham's youth development. Absolutely fascinating man. Talking about how the the emphasis on Tottenham's youth development side when, when he was running, it was never on winning. It was always about progressing. So, there, there would be clubs there who would be playing their strongest teams all the time, really mm. competitive, really pushing. But the players wouldn't develop. Whereas Ramsey would put them in positions where he would frequently put strikers as centre backs so that they would. And learn that's very common now in the
0: Academy. So, like when I did that coaching stuff with the Scottish FA, the idea is to try and, rather than try and win, you want to just try and get the, the players to enjoy the football. That's one of the most important things, is yeah. getting the mm. kids to enjoy it because mm. it gets, becomes too competitive too early. But then the other side of that, I've got a friend who works in youth football, he says that they do try and do that, but also you have to get the competitive side in it. Because you think to yeah. be a top footballer, it's all about the mental stuff, right? It's all about the drive, determination, aggression, which you see in Connor Gallagher, for example. Yeah. The work rate and the like, absolute desperation to win. It's so, like Gallagher is the kind of player you want in your team because he'll he, he'll dribble past you by being able to just keep the ball stuck to him like it's, not glued to his feet because he's a good dribbler, but because he just sort of batters his way through. Whereas players from other countries, I think, have less of that aggression, but um, they're still competitive. But they just have better technique. Like, there's a couple of touches Gallagher took, I thought, that were really loose. Maybe he's as nervous or something like that. But you think at the top tier, that's what I think separates England from other countries, is that like I yeah. Paul Pogba at France, right? You fire a ball at him at any speed, and it will be dead the second he controls it. Whereas some players in the team, I think Jordan Henderson, great player, but sometimes the, his first touch will get away from him. Some of the centre-backs in England, the same sort of thing will happen. Like Harry Maguire, you'll see even sometimes his first touch goes a bit awry. And that's the sort of thing. But players coming through like Jude Bellingham, really good technique. Mm. And they've got a new, like Phil Foden. It, it, like, like Paul Popper, you fireball him from anywhere and it will just kill it dead. And I think this is the kind of players that England are producing now that will make them good. There's some <laughs> there's some TikTok I saw, right? Oh, okay. There's, <laughs> there's these TikToks that come up sometimes. And now you're not on TikTok yet, are you? No. I really no. like it. So there's this TikTok where there's a few of them where they pretend to be, someone says they're a time traveller from the future and says, check this date and I'll prove that you're right. And you know it's nonsense, but I do have to keep checking to see <laughs> something big's going to happen on like the 23rd of this month. It didn't happen, this guy. But they said in this TikTok that you can come back and you'll be proven right that England are going to win the World Cup 2-1 against France in the final. That's what it said. So just to be clear, we're
1: leaning on the concept that someone has invented time travel, successfully used time travel, and instead of, you know, killing Hitler or getting stock market results, they are making TikToks for the likes. I'm going to drag it back. Okay. And we were talking about the the way that players develop. And the thing that I always think goes unnoticed is that every footballer who develops through the youth system and gets into the first team is like the, the 1%. But every year group, they tend to get signed up at the age of six now. It's
0: like point something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and they've seen off everybody of their own age group until they go into this tiny, tiny sliver of talent that made it through. I mean, they are the alpha male of all alpha males coming through that sort of thing. The strength of character and the determination required just to make it into a Premier League football team, never mind being an international star, is absolutely enormous, isn't it?
0: Well, yeah, having the level of talent as well. I mean, anyone who's ever played with someone who's quite good at football. So if you play someone who plays, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like Darren Mackey, right? was a player who played for Aberdeen. He was pretty rubbish in terms of Scottish top division, like premiership standard. I love Darren Mackey. He came through as a youth player, was a very exciting, hot, like high potential player for Aberdeen. But he's kind of a boy who would get like seven goals in a season maximum as a striker. Now, when he was playing at like youth level in Scotland, he was scoring something like forty goals in fifteen games for the local team, which is just mentally bit like just so much better than everyone else possibly. But when you put him in the actual league, just kind of average, and this is the weird thing. So then you think the difference between him and Paul Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've got to the point in my career where I'm talking Mackie about Darren Mackie, and, Mackie and Paul Pogba in the same discussion. But I've done it, and uh, different players because Mackie is more of a winger and a number nine. And Paul Pogba is obviously a six or an eight or sometimes a ten. This is a silly analogy. <laughs> Tell me more. And uh, even I have given up on it. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's
1: let's drag it back and let's uh, drag it over to the other talking point about one player who wasn't in the England squad but was in the newspapers this weekend: Marcus Rashford, now being linked with Arsenal.
0: Which newspapers did you see this in?
1: Uh, I do not wish to mention these. Was newspapers it the athletic? for fear of advertising? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the Athletic. You know, we're we're there for we're there for the big, big long reads and and three or four sources and things like this. This this was in transfer gossip. But Marcus Rashford, he's I do like such,
0: gossip. He's, good.
1: he's such an interesting player because he is quite clearly a very good footballer, isn't he? And up until relatively recently, he was considered to be you know. England, Manchester United, top striker, top player. And then recently it's st- started to ebb, ebb away and the discourse has become that Marcus Rashford is just a good player who maybe isn't quite at that level. And it just, again, I go back to you know how immersed I was in football for many, many years and I'm sort of outside of it now. Are, are people not allowed a bad season
0: anymore? <laughs> I don't think they are, no. Well, it's the same way in the world. You have to either be like one or zero. You can't be... Yeah. There's no middle. And I think there was a thing you watched a bit with David Moyes, the same same sort of thing with managers, right? Exactly.
1: Well, David Moyes' Everton were, you know, surprised they're staying up um, and not getting relegated. Then suddenly they're knocking on the door of the Champions League. Then suddenly they're in a relegation battle and they'd sort of yo-yo for a bit before they stabilise. And everyone was... Just about all right with that because it was like, no, no, this is football. This happens. You've got Marcus Rashford who's had a long season for for his club and his country. He's come through the trauma of missing a penalty in an international final. Um and then into this season. And yeah, by by all accounts, he hasn't been at the level. But is he is he done? Is this his no. ceiling? I mean it I think seems a bit mad of Manchester United to want to throw away a homegrown talent who is a fine
0: fine man a fine ambassador but United's just in a bit of a a weird, well? a weird space they just no weird place certainly. and they have down to like the final four candidates or something like that in their manager search at the moment it looks like Eric Ten Hag and um, Pochettino Ten Hag's older than Pochettino I think oh really I think he is he's, old, yeah. he's older than Guardiola apparently That's is, a is there checker. a
1: way back for Rashford then or, or does he have to go to Arsenal I actually yeah, think yeah. a move to Arsenal would suit both Arsenal and him I was at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago when they played Leicester and well, Lacazette was a very selfless performance. If you looked at the team and said, you can have one player to, to really bolster this team, you would probably look for a striker, wouldn't you?
0: It's not Rashford, he's not a, he's not a nine. He would play off the left or the right. I think he's better for United He tends to play off the right, but he doesn't play there much. He's normally on the left. Uh, and I think Gabriel Martinelli is a superior player to Marcus Rashford, so you wouldn't want to have him there. And on the right, you've got Bikai Saka, who... I would probably say it's a superior player to Rashford as Couldn't well. Couldn't you
1: make him work as a nine? He's, he's got attributes and he? he's got I, technique, he's got work rate. He's I got don't pace. think
0: the modern nine can play like how Rashford does unless it's in a two, especially in a system like how Mikel Arteta is playing, where then the nine is tasked with dropping back to almost form a flat four across the front. So it's not like there's one leading three behind. So, so you're playing a four, two, three, one, which is mostly what Arteta does. Well, it's, it's technically a three, but a four, two, three, one. When they attack, it, well, they go forward as a four. And uh, Lacazette drops in to pick up the ball. A lot like how um, they can play Foden and De Bruyne Mm. and all these lads as false nines at at City. So I I don't know if it's called a false nine now. It must be a different term for it. But they drop deep to link play. They're not just there to finish off moves because a lot of these managers want their striker to arrive in space to finish off a move rather than leading it. If you've got a player at Lewandowski, you can do that. So that's the kind of player you can have to build a team around. You can lead the line because he can score it. From, from anywhere, it can hold up people and link from a higher position further up. And I think the players have been looking at, I mean, ones have been linked with our players like Jonathan David, Canada, one of the, the top lads there, Alexander Izak, who's a bit more like Rashford in profile when he was a nine playing off the, at the top. But Rashford's link play when he plays as a nine is not great because he's more of a slender, thin, like running behind player. And you need them sometimes to stretch teams, so it's useful to have a player like that. But the amount that Rashford would cost... I can't see him leaving United. I just don't think it's a real thing. But if they signed Isaac at Arsenal, he'd be able to push defenders closer to their own goals by the threat he poses by being so quick and behind. Same with Jonathan David, if they were signing him. Rashford, you could say, is the same thing. But then that creates space for the two wide forwards and Odegaard in behind. That's the benefit of that. I think Arsenal would look for a different kind of... I don't think it won't be Rashford. Okay. Uh, it's a long way of saying no, isn't it? Yeah, it was a very
1: long way, but it was a good way because no, it true. was it was backed by fact and theory. And I, I like that. That's that's what you get here on the T Five podcast. And if you stick around, you might get even more. But first, this. That was this, and this is now. JJ, we've done all the international football. We can just talk about stuff now.
0: Oh yeah. That's yeah. what I hoped for and asked you to be on
1: the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You weren't expecting professionalism, were well, you? We've talked an awful lot about
0: football we didn't think we were going to be doing, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about buying a football club. Because you might buy a football club.
1: Well, I mean, between you and me and, and, and you, someone actually did sound me out after the sale of Muddy Knees Media to The Athletic. I was sounded out. And I, I like to think it's because they were like, that guy knows how to run a business. But. It was probably more, that guy's well-connected with Football Manager. What a lot of headlines would get if he got (laughs) to play it for real. And it's basically, it's always been my my dream. I've never, I'm so, so very bad at playing football. That's why I worked so hard to try and learn how to write, um, so I could write about football. But secretly, I was always like, I'd love to actually own a football club. I used to work at Halfords. Know that. That's great. Oh, yeah. I used to work at Halfords and Chelmsford High Street. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they have this like rack of little screws and things in tiny little packets. And it was like an afternoon job. You had a box of all the screws. Mm-hmm. And you just had to sit there and find the place. And your brain would just switch off and float away. And I would always sit there thinking how I would run a football club. And the reality is, is very, very different from the fantasy, um, I, I would imagine, having not actually
0: done it. Something you'd do? I mean, <laughs> you're you're a creative guy. You know about football. Yeah, but might not be all nuts and I'd just make some mascots or like a giant octopus or something like that. That's the kind of stuff I'd be into. That for. would be awesome. Well, I have got a small consortium of uh, friends, and we buy a lottery ticket. We, if we win the lottery, we're going to buy Aberdeen. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. But basically, just pump money into it. And then what I would do is what uh, I do in Football Manager, where I just get loads of wonder kids on loan keep them as much as I can until they eventually love the club and then you sign them on a free when the contract runs out and then you win the Champions League.
1: Yeah, that's an absolutely plausible thing. That's the thing way I would do that, it. That could happen. Yeah. I mean, the first bit is plausible because I think uh, Newport County were bought by a, a lottery winner. Oh, nice. who then Who then fixed them up. So it has happened before. Well, there's
0: and a then, lad in uh, Glasgow who gave loads of money to Partick Thistle. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's definitely happened in Scotland at least once. So, you know, it, it could happen. But I think there's a thing, when you love football as as long as we have. And, and you're just naturally inclined as a you know, middle-aged white guy to think, anything I do will work. Of course it will. The world is built for me. <laughs> that you start looking at and think, well, how would I, how would I do it? Is it? What would be the first thing you would do if you took over Aberdeen?
0: Octopus mascot.
1: Octopus mascot is a great shout. Um,
0: no one's found thing- it.
1: Problem that I've already identified with my keen business mind. Uh-huh. When they do the mascot race, you're going to have so many... Peripheral things. It's gonna wind resistance
0: drag. Um, you're gonna struggle. Could uh, make them so they're hev- uh, like stronger than they look, and take out the other mascots. Nice, hold them back. You could have them lower. They haven't done the mascot race in Scotland, I think, for a long time. Have they not? I don't think they do that anymore. Anyway, what I actually do is, uh, if I owned the football club, I would do the Wonder Kids thing. That's what I would actually right. do, genuinely. Because I mean, what would you do? Because it's well, more important. Because you might actually be able to do this, and I can't <laughs> effectively.
1: You are actually in a good position for the Wonder Kid thing. Um, you are a football analyst. You are reasonably well-connected as well. It wouldn't be difficult for you to find other people through the TIFO network, people who've been on camera to sort of come in and, and, and maybe have a bit of an edge on the people who are already doing this for a living. You, you, you guys do data. I mean, a TFO football club would be quite the thing, wouldn't it? Um, with that access to... It be good IRL video. awful lot of production yeah get some big hits you don't even need netflix you just clean up on (laughs) those youtube adverts the thing that i always thought was um the thing that always gets lost is it's only the football supporters who prop up these clubs i mean outside the premier league where the tv money dwarfs everything but at a lower league non-league level it's only the supporters and i would love to have some kind of almost like a, a senate for long-standing season ticket holders i've never really quite worked out the numbers but i'd have like a grade of loyalty that would buy you more of a say so it'd be something like if you're a season ticket holder you have one vote on issues mm. and if you've been a season ticket holder for maybe five consecutive seasons you'd have two if you've been a season ticket holder for 20 years you joined the senate where you had like a really strong say in things to be consulted when
0: you say senate all i can think of is star like wars episode, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah
1: no absolutely i mean i Others and you'd be with Palpatine the within this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Palpatine I would, have a cat. <laughs> I, d- I don't know if that's in the Star Wars movie, yeah. but I felt spiritually he Palpatine did have a cat um, very much because he's got that big cloak. It looks very yeah. cozy. Cats like cozy things. But I would never go down the line of opening up team selection because I think a football team works best as a kind of as an autocracy. But I'd have votes on issues like. Um, who who's our sponsor? Do we go for the biggest money, i.e. probably the betting sponsor, or do we go for um, something that we feel is more in tune with our value? Do we go for something that's low money, but it's a local business, so that we're helping out in the community? If, you know, we were faced with one of those decisions, do we go into the, the UEFA conference third-rate rubbish competition? You'd ask... Your 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 season ticket holders, you know, what do we do here? Do you want us to play the kids or do you want us to really go for it? Possibly at the risk of the league. How,
0: how about how much salt you put in the chips and uh, whether... That's theme park, isn't <laughs> it?
1: <laughs> but
0: yeah. Well, and then where, where you station the drinks thing next to it? Do you well, hire a janitor to clean up the sick? You know, you,
1: you, you, you joke about it. Again, we've got the octopus mascot as yeah. well, which I think is uh, a benchmark of, of theme park. But yeah, other things like um, do we use a local brewer? Or do you just want cheap beer?
0: Oh no, I'd um, definitely get a local brewery. That's one of the things I would definitely do. I would definitely put in some sort of local brewery or just actually order in verdant and pressure drop beer. That's all I would get in. Oh okay, well that's it's nice. And they haven't paid me for that plug, but
1: with great power comes great responsibility and, yeah. and you want you want the best. But I think you'd also you you'd focus it around the community. I would say that in the first season of running a football club there would be no excuse for a primary school child within five miles of the stadium not to have been to a game. I mean, you're taking over a distressed asset. It's probably going to be a football club with a lot of empty seats. You'd be hitting those primary schools, wouldn't you? Just going like, here's... What if they don't want to ticket. go? They're not well, if they reasons? don't... I'm not going to force them. Because you said no reason. <laughs> that's, that's a bad look, bussing in a load of kids who are desperately... I want to play Fortnite. What the hell are you doing? It's League One football. I, I understand that, that forcing them, but giving them the opportunity and working your way around the community, every community area, how many people can we get in how many people can we engage? And then
0: working with local businesses as well. so much more earnest than we normally are on the T4 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I'd also be a ruthless autocrat at the top. Yeah. Um, but you could... And this whole plan is because you want to take over the galaxy, as I understand it. Exactly. I'll yeah. start with a
1: football club, and then we build up into mainstream politics. You the Senate,
0: you, you turn evil the, secretly, and you well, kill... What's the
1: view. You know, it goes from AC Milan to uh, Italian... Prime Minister, and uh, so this is your plan to get into power. From there, this is this is the ladder. It begins with a podcast company, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> that's where you rise. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's a long way to do it. I like it. There are some high expectations here. I'm going to have to be very, very tight on recruitment, but I, I think it can it can happen. But it is there are going to be a lot of clubs post pandemic that are essentially distressed assets. There's, there's, and I, you think, want to I think there's gonna be a lot of movement. It. I mean I don't think I will do it because I think I think every aspect of running a football club oh, is much harder did, than we imagine.
0: It'd be really fun if you had a football club. Would it though? Yeah. Would it? If you did, not if I did,
1: if you did. <laughs> really you could fun. always count because I'd I'd have a, a, a good open director's box.
0: Well, I right. am looking at um thinking about Wrexham, like Ryan Reynolds and Rob yeah. McElhaney bought bought that. They did, see that they was one six five in the weekend. You See that they that's were amazing. they were five two down. They were oh. two 0 up, then five two down, and then they scored to what make that? it six five. It was I've seen the highlights. It's amazing.
1: What a Netflix episode that's going to be! A
0: corner in the very last minute. Yeah, well, they're we making a uh, movie uh, or a series about that. I think those. Lads. Yeah, that's a clever purchase by them. Well, you make your money back, don't you? Well, it's a, a little club in Wales plays in the English league. Perfect. So you get all the kind of I mean, that's really sensible by marketing wise, right? Because you can market off the the Welsh of it yeah it's really useful they can get to the premier league eventually because they're in the actual pyramid system so i guess you want to buy a team that could be in the pyramid system so you can get them up there there's yeah. a nice community club hackney wick the lad oh, yeah. there he works very hard he's go. come around doing fundraising seems like a nice lad yeah that's one you could buy too small isn't it uh, yeah i don't it... well, the stadium already yeah exactly and not south end um, Hashtag United, the one the Spencer uh, set up. Spencer, Spencer, well,
1: Spencer do you know? I was going through the books of uh, South End United a couple of weeks ago, just tracking back, and the money that is spent just keeping Roots Hall upright um, is, is you know, the reason why they're very, very desperate for a new stadium. But it's it's these little things, you know. You sit there putting your little bag of screws on your hooks, thinking about you know what kind of beer you'd have, and then the reality is always so much harder. But it it is compelling, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I just. I can't picture it because I don't think I'll ever have enough money to buy a football club. But I am all on board. <laughs> well, I don't think I've got enough money to. Oh, to I am not think you club. do. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you'd have maybe you, more knowledge of how to run a club. Well,
1: club. I mean, you know, you raise investment. Um, you you raise the investment. You have the money. You have a a sort of smaller stake yourself because you've you've sold it all off with these people that have faith in your ability to write about football manager here's where the fantasy starts to
0: crumble a little bit i think you need a lot of other people to do it but um but what fun if you'd like ian McIntosh to buy a football club so that we can go and hang out in his bar where i can make him order the beers i want leave comments below (laughs) Uh, or if you're listening to the podcast i guess is your
1: football club a distressed asset do you need anybody, literally anybody, to come in? Do you have very low expectations on what constitutes a leader of business? Call me. Call me now. Hey, what else can we talk about before the time runs out?
0: Um, I don't know. I, th- I mean, we've got the TIFO quiz tonight. So apologies to everyone who listened to the podcast where Joel read out the wrong, uh, <laughs> the wrong <laughs> date in the calendar. That was a f- couple of weeks ago, though. I wasn't on the last week's podcast, so I don't know if he's addressed that. Well, there's games this week, big international games. But by the time this podcast comes out, they'll be in the evening. So that's a thing. And um, we're going to do the the quiz. Some other stuff coming up. that will be all good. Be all good. I think. I think we've. I think. I think we've hosted this like a like a master Ian, well, A master just, podcaster. Just, I just
1: threw it all together. Thank you so much for joining this very special episode of the Tifo Football Show, in which no one climbed up and punched me in the face, which I'm kind of glad about um, if you've got comments leave the comments below you know where the like button is and the subscribe button and uh, again if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic already get get up there in the URL right now and just type theathletic.com forward slash TIFO yep yeah and and there'll be a very very special offer there and I, I promise you it's, it's, it's worth your time thanks so much for joining us Joe we'll be back for the very next show